Welcome to Cognitive Rampage Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Lowry. Oh, my guests today, plural, um, are Ronnie Graham, who is a actor and filmmaker, and my uh, best friend and uh, co-producer of this podcast, uh, Danny McNamara. Ronnie uh, actually uh, plays a role in Danny's film coming out soon, Literature to Larceny. And that's how we connected. Uh, Danny wanted to put Ronnie on the podcast and talk to him about um, the recent role that he was in in another film. But Danny, he flew down from New York uh, for his birthday. Uh, We hung out the last couple days. And uh, he joins the podcast uh, a little later. Uh, He walked in live. It was funny. If you're watching the podcast live, um, I I forgot to unlock the uh, door to the studio. So um, at the same time, Ronnie was having issues trying to log in virtually. So um, when we were live, I was actually on the phone with Ronnie um, live on the air trying to walk him through it. I didn't have my Steve, as you could tell. Uh, and then Danny has to ring the doorbell and Roxy starts, starts barking. It was, uh, it was funny, but, um, anyway, I edited most of all that stuff out for, uh, for your listening ears. If you're watching live, I apologize, but, uh, we pulled it together and, uh, we talked briefly about Ronnie, uh, Ronnie's recent film. Uh, it's a short film, actually a 16 minute film where, he plays a war veteran returning home from Iraq with severe PTSD. And we talk about what it was, what it's like to be in that role and to put yourself in a place like that, what it felt like, what he learned, etc. cetera. Uh, but and we bounce all over even. We talk about um, uh, fostering dogs, et cetera. Uh, we, I mean, we bounce all over. But uh, once Danny gets in a podcast, uh, we do bounce all over. But we talk about actors and uh, what it's like being an actor, what it's like coming in and out of different roles and what effect that has on your psyche, etc. But uh, because of some of the login issues, we didn't quite get to finish the podcast. So we went for about uh, 45 minutes uh, or so, but uh, we will be putting out a part two with um, Ronnie Graham uh, later when we touch base with him. But, uh, anyway, this was a fun podcast. I enjoyed it. If you're watching it live too, Roxy makes an appearance. She's all over the podcast table, uh, kept turning the camera off and on, uh, sitting down on, uh, sitting down on the change button. But anyway, uh, it was a good time. I enjoyed it. Um, this is Ronnie Graham and my friend, Daniel McNamara. The reason you see it set up a little different uh, as well is uh, Ronnie uh, is joining us from Brooklyn, New York, and Daniel, actually, uh, the guy I was just talking about, will be joining us live uh, with us in the cave. He uh, flew down from New York. Uh, those of you that listened to the podcast yesterday, uh, you know what my boy uh, went through yesterday, losing his uh, best friend, uh, Howie. Um, you know, he was part of the family with me, too. Uh, Howie the dog was a search and destroy kind of dog, but, uh, we talked about the send off that we had with, uh, him the other night, but, uh, he's still in town. Uh, we got a little film work that we got to do. Uh, we are working on the documentary chemical incarceration, uh, that will be coming out probably fall this year. Um, depending on it's, uh, you know, we're framing the story that I talked about briefly on Joe Rogan, but, uh, we're, we're covering a lot about the therapeutic side how addiction is treated, how the people within treatment are treated. We're going to focus a lot on that. You know, the idea of the prescription epidemic is definitely out there uh, with the help of films like uh, Prescription Thugs by Chris Bell. Uh, Those films help. And, you know, Oxycontin Express was another one really brought to light, you know, the issues that, uh, not the issues, the fucking epidemic that's spreading across this country. Um, And, you know, not a lot of people are focusing on the mental health aspect of it and uh, how people are treated and um, let's see, and, and how people are, are mistreated in the system and abused financially even. Uh, it, it gets pretty bad. We got to cut short too. We, uh, we were going to go at 12 and um, had to delay a little bit and uh, he had to go at one. So I knew I only had about an hour. But uh, due to that little delay, he's going to try to push and stretch it a little bit for us in about one one fifteen, or in about one fifteen, 
And so we may move quick on a lot of things, on a lot of topics in his life and what we talk about. So uh, he's got to go. I think he's got a, uh, I don't know, it's something important that he can't control. So, um, uh, and I wanted to talk to him. So, you know, like I said, we got two podcasts also back to back today. Excuse me, I try to sip away from the microphone because I'm telling you, there's a few sounds in my life that if I hear, I just, ugh. And the sound of pouring a drink as it goes into the glass, it's like, oh, that sound. And then when somebody sips something and soup, coffee, that, oh, that little, oh my God, gets me. So, so if I lean back over here, you know, that's what I'm doing. But yeah, Danny uh, got caught up in Orlando traffic, which is funny. You know, he lives in New York City. Uh, but in New York, you can walk everywhere, bike everywhere for the most part. Um, but uh, Orlando, unfortunately, is still spread out, and we can't move in that direction quite yet. Uh, I mean, I think we could. I mean, fully. But so, you know, if you've ever been to Orlando, you know what I-4 and 408 can do to uh, one's mood, mind, mentality. Yeah. I-4 at 5 o'clock and 7.30 to 8 a.m., will it will change you into a different person if you're not careful. I hope you listened to the podcast yesterday, too, uh, with Jennifer Elizabeth Masters. It was it was moving. It was uh, it was love. You know, I've had a few emails already from some people, um, some love from Danielle Bonacci, who listened to the show. Uh, she shared it. Uh, who else shared it? There's six or seven different shares. Um, as soon as we posted it, I was trying to remember. But um, I appreciate all the love and shares that everybody does. You know, it means a lot when you share something that we do. Uh, if, you know, we do a podcast or an interview or I go off on my, one of my rampages and it moves you, uh, it would be very kind of you. And I would be so thankful and grateful, uh, if you share it, you know, sharing something like that, uh, helps us because if you share it, you know, there's people that follow you in life, you know, that what you like to do that you inspire. And so if something inspires you and you share some of our work and some of these, uh, amazing stories and, uh, you know, philosophies that come through here, you, you know, you could, uh, inspire some other people and, and you're really helping spreading a good message and, uh, uh, a good, a good feeling, right? And a good idea. So <clears throat> all the love to those that share what we do that even, even if you take a second, you just thumb it and you like it. That's hey, that's kind. That's a thumb in a second. You didn't have to give us, you know? So, uh, I appreciate every like and comment and, uh, you know, if if something on the podcast moves you or, you know, you just have to say something, uh, please don't don't hesitate. Message us. Email us. Uh, if I don't if I don't answer right away, uh, it'll it'll be Steve or somebody or, or Daniel. will get back to you. Daniel never get back to you. Never mind. Um, I, you know, but I do respond to every email that does come in personally. I eventually get there. Um, we respond and I don't know. 36 to 48 hours given, um, you know, how many emails depends, but, uh, I, I won't respond to the trolls. The death threats are hard not to respond to though. So, um, I know you don't mean it. We, uh, if you listen to that podcast too, we talked a little bit yesterday about addiction again. Uh, I can't seem to get away from that topic, um, very long. Uh, but, uh, all right, Ronnie's calling me, uh, live on the air. Let's see. Let's take it. Hey, Ronnie, you're live on the podcast. And we interrupt this, that live podcast. That is when the debacle I told you about transpired, when he had to call, I was live on air, and then I left on the podcast the debauchery. You hear the doorbell ring when uh, Danny arrives and the dog, I just left it. I uh, I don't know, maybe <laughs> it was funny, I guess, I don't know, maybe at the time, but uh, yeah, here's the little uh, thing, but I cut out a lot of the waiting time and periods in between there, but... Uh, I just kind of left the, holy shit, this is happening live on air. Back to the show. Well, yeah, because we're sitting here live. We're definitely on air doing our thing. Um, uh, this is live? Oh, yeah, definitely. You're live right now, brother. Oh, okay. You can see me. Uh, no, I, let me see. No, you're on, you're on the phone right now, man. Oh, my gosh. Hey, you know what, Ronnie? This is awesome, man. This is going down on live. Like, we're <laughs> we're broadcasting live. I got you on the phone, the guest who can't sign in. Steve had to leave. Danny is now trying to get in, as I told everybody who's come on the podcast. But the house is locked. Uh, and well, right, so on live air, everybody watching, this is what happens when you do live broadcasts. You can prepare all you want to. 
So if you'll excuse me, I'm going to leave Ronnie with you on the microphone. Talk to them if you want to. I'm going to go let Danny in. For everyone tuning in, hey, this is how you do it. If you're going to start a live show, this is how it goes down. Um, Danny, I'm going to have to leave you to host because oh, I'm going to text him. Would you pick up the microphone and talk to these people? You're live on air right now, and so is Roxy's butt. <laughs> she just fucking mooned everybody, man. That's awesome. That hello, is awesome. Hello, hello. Welcome. See what happens when I don't have my Steve here, dog. Where's Steve at? Steve had to go, bro. Our producer is uh, joining the cave. Let's just say that. Welcome. If you're watching live, we're still here. That's just my looking constipated picture that my daughter took of me. I'm sorry, but like that picture, like there needs someone needs to draw a dick and needs to be like facing into your mouth right there. That's my producer and best friends, people. I'm just saying that picture needs to come off. Like, that's one of those pictures where you're like, you know, like, I don't think I should really post this. But he looks jacked, and he's he's a good-looking man. I mean, look at him. He's Thank he's you. like a, he's a primal creature. Look at that guy. Look at those shoulders <laughs> after his little workout. <laughs> <laughs> yes, producer, best friend, best man, all of the above. Hey, did you get your birthday present? And he's just a dickhead, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> As I'm pointing out your birthday present. This is my birthday present like two years ago. No. <laughs> the catcher gave me two years ago. I just got it. I'm just kidding. This is really appreciated. Those of you that can't see because we're joining the cave um, is a mini helmet. The New York Giants, which I'm going to put on rock at some point. Signed. I can't see. It's dark in here. That's signed by OCU Manure. Oh, nice. Yes, sir. Not just a little mini helmet. That's a signed helmet. Well, shout out to the Giants and OC Humanura for signing that somehow, some way, and being kind. Because I've had an experience with a former Giant who was not so kind on a flight, which I won't suggest because it's just bad energy. Oh, huh? that's fucked up. I told you about that story. Oh, yeah. We were like loyal Giants fans, too, bro. That's... I mean, just just to put it out there, you know, there, you know, there's people out there that, you know, celebrities and you know, famous people or people that are athletes or whatnot that just should just be a little more humble, I think, in my opinion. I understand there's certain times and places for everything, um, but if you're in a local place or you're in a public place and someone might ask for your autograph or something for a friend that is important to them and not just like some some person just wanting an autograph. I didn't want his autograph, but I was getting gifting it for a friend and I was just shut down denied because he was busy and getting on an airplane. But he was flying, like flying, not even in first class. So, hey, what do you expect if you're a public figure? You're going to fly and coach and not expect to get someone to ask for your autograph? Are you kidding me? Like, that's a little ridiculous. Like, you should respect the fact that you're making millions for what you're doing. And you should respect, respect your fans and the people that put you where you are today. Besides the fact that you're talented. Keep talking. I got to say the password. The dickhead is busy fumbling with shit. So I'm just going to hang out with Roxy. We're yeah, we're waiting for him to join. Yeah, he's uh, he just we just so, used our guest email. So let me give a brief intro to Ronnie. Ronnie Graham, who's a talented actor in New York City. I believe he resides in Brooklyn right now. Uh, we share common bonds, and I uh, recently just just met Ronnie in person for the first time. But I've been following him on Facebook because we're both from Orlando, and we have um, mutual friends in the industry that is that is film. And Ronnie is just. An incredible talent uh, from Orlando. I'm not sure where he's originally from. Well, I guess we'll get that in a little bit. Look, um, I got I got the one ear going like I'm DJing again. Nice. It's proper for the next guest after this too. DJ DJ Prophet, <laughs> DJ A A Town. What was the rest of your DJ names? Serenity, AKA, a whole bunch of shit. Yeah. Shout out to the DJs out there. Yeah, man. Probably not easy. DJ Kid Nemesis is coming on later. Kid Nemesis. Oh yeah, yeah he's 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 good, right? He's He's blowing up right now. He's a uh, resident down in Nikki, Nikki Beach in Miami. Did you see DJ Callen? Yeah, Anyways, Ronnie is a, he's a really good good person, oh, good oh. human, good father, and um, he's super talented. And I had the, the blessing of him being um, an actor in my film. He played a, a small but important, actually crucial role um, in my film, Literature of Larceny, which is... Um, Still in production. <laughs> Roxy turned off the camera. <laughs> Roxy's smart. Roxy knows what's up. She's like, I ain't ready yet. It ain't time. That's funny. It's Roxy turned off the camera. So this is going to be edited, I hope, by the way, because yeah. this is coming out there pretty Same pretty live. Um, but we're waiting for Ryan hey, to join us still. Hey, we actually got some Giants news. Giants just signed Vernon. Yeah. 
I'm gonna add to the intro because he's the intro man. Another Giants. He's a lineman from and the he universe. Introduces me when I'm telling stories. Oh yeah, introduce him, bro. I was trying to do that, but I was interrupted by the dickhead. No, right. Did you light some sage in here? Yeah, right there. Did you light it though? Did you get it wrong? Ronnie Gill lives in New York. He's an actor. He just starred in a, in a short that film called The Curse of War, which is really good. I was at the, the I was actually invited to his screening, thanks to Ronnie. Um, and it's really important. I want him to explain the premise and the, everything that's about, but we're getting a deep conversation about it later. Um, I just wanted to also give a shout out there to my boy Josh, who just gave me the freshest tattoo. I have ever gotten in my life, and it will be a tattoo. What's the, what's the name of his tattoo joint? That bro? drives me. I'm actually looking for the name right now of the tattoo joint because he is out of Orlando. It's right by UCF, and I don't know the name of it. I'll look it up and we'll shout it out later. But Josh, who's a talented tattoo artist, Roxy, 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 just was able to um, do an amazing drawing and a, an ink stain of my, my dog's paw on my left arm, which is uh, beautiful, which hopefully we'll be able to show later. Not now. There's the helmet. You get it, Ron? Everyone showing the helmet. Yura, thanks for signing this. Actually, this is yeah. probably just Adam signing this and just saying it's Osinumanura. Just kidding. No, it definitely is, <laughs> man. That's signed, man. Oh, I'm not DJing anymore. Uh, no, I'm good. So. Yep, yep, yep. DJing. I'm back. I'm back. Ronnie should be joining us any second. He has the codes. He signed in from our viewership. This is pretty cool that you brought Roxy in on the podcast, man. She's, she, she's been on a few podcasts, man, but she's never sat like in frame like that. Like she that's should, awesome. She should sit right in the middle. Yeah, usually I have the uh, I have Dale down there with the headphones on. Right. I usually put Dale up here with the headphones on. So, man, I missed about Ronnie. Man, tell me. So, actor, I thought he was a filmmaker too. Well, he's a filmmaker. Well, that's what you're going to get I mean, into, is, though. Yeah, because he's you know he's part of the he's producing or he wrote the Curse of War, the film he's in. Um, Talking on the microphone, he'll explain it a little in detail. Yeah, like right here, make love um, to it. So he's the one that will you know, go into the details. But he's an actor. He's you know a producer, a writer, I believe. Um, who knows? Well, he strives to be possibly a director. I mean, there's always a way to jump into those fields depending on you know what you want to do and what you're good good with. But as far as I've seen, he just was just passionate, and amazing actor. That's not me growling every ladies and gentlemen. That's the dog. He's in your film, right? Yes, he's in Literature Larceny, oh, which I oh, oh shit. Oh look who it is. We did it. Bam. We did it, Ronnie. Oh, my God. Welcome to the party. It only I swear, I feel like I just launched a space shuttle or something. <laughs> see, see I, I was told there were some test runs that were done, so I was shocked to hear that there was so much. We did a test run, run, didn't we, brother? Yeah, we did. I, and um, I just don't know. It's, it's just not supposed to be this convoluted and <laughs> difficult to sign on to anything. You look good, man. In How you 2016. Doing? How you doing? You look good. Can you hear me? Thanks. Thanks, man. Uh, this is my, you know, pre-work look. Yeah, you, you should be growing that beard out, though. Where's that beard? It's looking too thin for me right now. Yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> it's coming out, man. Awesome, awesome. Well, we don't have the, we don't have the dates yet, but I'll let you know uh, when we figure that out. <clears throat> but um, like I was telling everyone yeah. that you're just, you know, a talented, um, just a talented actor and, and filmmaker. Um, you know, Adam asked me, because he's like, you think he's a he's not just an actor. And I'm like, you're right, because I think you, you wrote and you you produced uh, Curse of War, which is the film you're, you're starring in right now. That's that's out. We're going yeah. to the film festival, the circuit itself. Oh, thanks. Yeah, that that was, um, I guess, probably to date my greatest creative endeavor. So I guess it, uh, it it came out pretty good, and we got a good reception from it. So now we're just trying to take it through the festival circuit and see what what is you know, it. What what, what's the name of the if film? You can Curse of War. Curse what's of that? War. What's it about? What's the Curse of War? What's the rundown? Well, Curse of War, it's, it's, you're getting the view, you're getting like, uh, in the last day of a veteran's life, a veteran who's afflicted by PTSD. And, um, it's not, there's really nothing that uplifting about the film. It's really just kind of send a message about the current state of affairs as far as PTSD is concerned. 
So you, you just follow him from the time that he wakes up until, you know, his, his demise, you know, until his downfall in the end of the film. It's 16 minutes long. And, um, yeah, it's, it's depressing. But, you know, I, I wanted to do it that way because it's, it, it's kind of the truth. Um, it, it really gives you an accurate view of um, what's kind of like a, an, an epidemic plaguing the country right now. And, um, you know, hopefully it will just kind of open the discussion about um, treatment for PTSD and uh, what we can do and how we should better serve, I guess, our veterans. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, it's, it's beautiful. And I, and I saw it, so I don't want to give give away too much of the story. So, Ronnie, at any time, just tell me to shut the fuck up. Yeah, thanks um, for coming out, man. I mean, that, but, the, the fact that you were there uh, really meant a lot, you no, know, and what uh, your amazing. girlfriend, too, and... Yeah, that was great. It was, it was, was great. a great film. Um, and like I said, it's, it's well worth seeing when, when it's out there for, for viewers right now. It's in, the, I believe, the, the, the circuit, right? The film festival circuit? Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, um, we, but, we've got to to a few festivals. and um, Which one's it in, man? Uh, so far, uh, we haven't got accepted to any. And, you know, we, we applied for the big ones. This is our first rodeo, you know, and I'm real, we're, we're learning from a lot of our mistakes. Um, one of them being you shouldn't really submit to a lot of festivals um, beyond the deadline. And, you know, I guess the late submission, because it's almost impossible. I mean, there's a lot of politics involved as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you got to have somehow have a shoe in. And, uh, you know, we're learning a lot of lessons about that. So we're going for, I guess we're going to humble ourselves and go for a lot of the, the newer festivals that's been around right. for, say, a couple of years and no. uh, see how far we can go with that. Those are um, we've kind of shifted our focus as far as our submissions. Yeah, those are important, and that's that's, that's good to know. Um, and it's good that you put that out there because. Uh, but yeah, any names? Any specific ones you got targeted? Yeah, there's the um, the ABFF. That's I guess the uh, uh, American Black Film Festival, and uh, there's HBO. There's actually one called the GI Film Festival, which is. Um, mainly aimed at like, like, you know, for the military. So I'm hoping, you know, that we get into that, man. Um, I want to help bring, I want to help bring, oh damn, really? I've got to, I want to help bring awareness, awareness to the film. It's a short film, right? It's was like 14 minutes. Yeah. It's about 16 minutes long, including credits. It's called curse of war. And yeah, curse of war, the movie.com is the website. Well, as you know, since since watching it again, I can't give too much away. But I spoke with Adam about it and I explained the the overall premise. And I, I might have gave him too much of, of the story, but um, not to put too much out there. But it is about PTSD. But um, the the important part is there's a, there's a few scenes in there um, that were with like with a the therapist. And I, I don't know, Ronnie. We talked a lot um, over the past you know few months. And before coming right. to the podcast, I explained to you Adam is a you know mental health therapist. Um, he he's treated people with that. Um, with that syndrome, so the fact that this is all coming together, that you you were in my, you know, my film and it all worked out, and now that you're promoting this film that you did on, you know, we were we weren't even talking, and I had no idea, but you know, it's feel it feels like you know the energy's out there, and it's, it's you know there's like this thing that's connecting us, which is amazing. Um, yeah, absolutely. So with him, and I, I wanted to bring him in on this and um, talk about it because, like I said in the film, without giving too much away. Um, there's a therapist scene, and it's so realistic um, for those of you when you watch it. So it's Roxy, necessary for whoever is did you just see Roxy jump off? whoever is out there, um, you know, to watch this film because it, there's other forms of treatment out there. And in the film, um, it, it premises you know going to therapy, which is you know what everyone should do because it's important to talk to someone. But it also right. references that they're just giving you pills in the film, and you're just like, no more pills is one of the lines. It's like, no more pills because you're just like, it's not helping. All this is doing is masking the pain. Like, this isn't real. Right. And then also there was a point in there where it's like you have this relationship with her where she's like, and she was one of your, I think, your acting coaches and, and an actor that's also amazing in the film. I forgot her name, yeah. so feel free to shout her out. Yeah. Um, so make sure you shout her out because she was amazing. And when I saw it, it just, it was so real. And it was like, that's exactly what happens. I mean, when you come back, and I don't know this firsthand, but I have friends and friends of friends that have come back and that from from war, whether they were involved deeply in it or just even on the side, and it's hard to acclimate. And they are given treatment. I'm not saying that the government isn't offered treatment, but the treatment that is offered is so old school and it's not helping anymore. And it hasn't helped ever, really. But no one knows this and no one really, really digs into this. But Adam, for example, and there's other people out there that are doing this for other forms of therapy 
that help and that are proven to help, unlike just giving people pills, which is just masking your pain and just giving you an addiction right. and something to do and something that could potentially kill you. I mean, look at the statistics. Um, you know, what Chris Bell has put out there with prescription thugs. There's so many statistics and, and amazing numbers that he says. Dude, w- one of the ones that stands out that I, that really stand out to me in that film, I, it was funny. I was talking about prescription thugs and all of this uh, mm-hmm. chemical incarceration, you know, as filler. Yeah, right. And um, it, it, what the stat he says is there's enough drugs, prescriptions right. written uh, in, what is it, enough prescriptions written in, what, a, a year that could drug every person on earth for a month that's amazing wow. doped up 24 amazing. hours a day and just, yeah what was i it? believe that what was Something the statistic like, if it's america, a month though? or a week i gotta double like, check what does america consume versus the rest of the world it was insane oh dude um, well, it was like, you're talking 60 percent of the united states takes a pill when they wake up and yeah. almost half or no the reverse 50 percent takes when they wake up 60 percent takes a pill to go to bed right and again you know people check your facts i mean it's out there it's it's on the internet google anything you want with this conversation here because it's an epidemic and has been for decades. And well, you no know, one you knows know because thought- the government just makes money off of this because it's all funded through them and they don't care because this is what your money's paying for. This is what you're funding when you're funding Donald Trump and dickheads like that. It's like ridiculous that you're just funding people that are greedy as fuck and just want to make money. Yeah. They really don't care right. about you. The industry is not out there to fix you. It's out there to keep you a customer because they've been making that much money. Why are they going to fix you for? They're not going to make any money off you. They want residual income. They want you to be sick. It's just like those insurance scams. It's just like those other telemarketing bullshit that you avoid every single day. You're just not bought into it now because you can't look outside what you've been told your entire life. And that's difficult to do. And the only way you can really do that. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's indicative, I think, of American society. (laughs) We were talking, you know, with with the way that, um, you know, the immediate gratification, you know, everything is just to do things faster. Right. And of course, a pill exemplifies that fast healing you know but as far as long term you know i think of course there are better methods of doing it like for instance i was i was just sick for about a week and every time that i took an advil i swear to you i felt like i was a step going a step back as far as in the healing process and i wasn't letting things happen you know naturally and i felt it because whenever i recovered or it it wore off i felt worse than when i started And I think I just kind of like made the decision, go cold turkey, don't take any pills, just ride it out. And I think that's how I was was able to, you know, approach, I guess, that point of healing faster than just by placating myself with these, uh, you know, with with these pills. So that's the this. Oh, sorry, man. Go ahead. No, go ahead. What are you going to say? No, what you're saying is is actually scientifically backed. And the biggest issue that I have with drugs like Zaboxin that are actually even being used to treat pain now is what happens you have pain receptors in your body, your brain, etc. And when you take, say, opiates or painkillers or even Zaboxin um, at, at length, what happens is your pain receptors begin not to work and they become more sensitive because they don't have to, they don't have to do anything. So uh, I'm generalizing, so for easier conception. So essentially, as you numb those things over time, tolerance starts to build up. You need more and more and more to numb them. But if you then try to stop taking opiates or stop taking Zaboxin for pain, what happens, the pain truly does feel worse because your receptors are now numb. They're not working as much. They haven't had to. You've been used to the pill. So the pain levels actually do increase when you try to come off of things like Zaboxin, painkillers, and opiates. That's a big part of the withdrawal. So what you're talking about on a Advil level or something, I'm not sure about, but I know it can be, it's an anti-inflammatory for the most part. So, but I think any synthetic thing entered into us that's not naturally made is going to have a cause and effect. If you put something in, something else has to, you know, happen on the back end. And, you know, you and I, Ronnie, were talking during our, (laughs) what's funny, during our test run, we went into length about, well, I did, I rambled like normal, about, um, psychedelic treatment and what I've seen it do for veterans and, and uh, abuse victims and trauma victims, etc. Did you see yeah. any of that in your film when you were doing some of this? Um, we, uh, I think the character that I played, I don't think he had a chance to experiment with a lot of those, uh, those types of treatments. I think what he was more open to and ex- and what was had access to was just the drugs from his counselor, and um, 
I, I don't think that it was it was you know having a positive effect because you know he was suffering on many different levels and probably of some things that weren't where where the drugs that he was taking weren't capable of, of curing. So um, you know I, I look at some treatments you know these days like you know tapping. I just I, I learned about that about last year and and um, even like like you said. What, what you said this morning about the psychedelics and, and mushrooms and different things like that, you know, I cannot believe how effective those things are and why they're not being uh, used as, as an alternative um, or even probably as the first line of defense against these types of things. You know, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And of course, you know, if you think big farm and if you think, you know, uh, capitalistic then it does make sense but you know what i'm saying right right yeah there's a, a the va gets a lot of shit and the the truth is when once you're in the va system it takes pretty good care of you the problem is the line and paperwork to get into the va and now that's not every va many vas are backed up run down low budgeted and fucked and but when you're in it they they can work you through it but what you said earlier is exactly right is still what is offered is just a direct synthetic chemical approach yeah. with some suggestion of therapy counseling in groups they don't even suggest alternatives like seek out just so you know there's other forms out there like you know like just getting out there in nature just go living you know just there's other things to do like you know no it don't affect you chemically like when you take these pills that are synthetic that are made they're made in labs you know and you can argue what's a drug and class what class this it's all just government names that they, they you know they put out there you know what really works and what's really been proven to work is what's been it's like a fight these days you know like marijuana for one is is proven to help uh, so many different diseases would 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 shut down i think the top 3 or 4 uh, pills out there for what pain ADHD and all this stuff which is terrible i mean i'm speaking from experience i've taken these drugs um, going through college and in, in my younger days, you know, everyone passes around a Xanax. Everyone takes Adderall for school. I mean, if you just look at it, and again, you don't have to listen to us. You know, we're not professionals, but just Google it. What is in the actual ingredients? Adderall is methamphetamine. That's just the same definition as ice for the street people. Um, when you take oxycodone and you're killing the pain because I took, um, I have two herniated discs. So they started me off with hydrocodone and they gave me oxycodone. Oxycodone or Oxycontin, whichever it was, the worst one. I had no idea what I was taking. Um, the doctor gave me a brief warning saying, hey, by the way, this could be addictive. Just be careful. But he didn't say, hey, by the way, taking this is just like shooting yourself with heroin. You're going to feel the exact same way because it's the same ingredients. It's just in this little pill form. And the, I'm telling you it's okay. And I'm a doctor. And no one tells you that shit. But you're actually basically taking a dose of heroin. You know, it's not like you're choosing yeah. to do that. And then the people that are weak, like, you know, I was for a little bit. And it's not it's not to say that you're weak if you're addicted, but it's just like you're, you're involved. And to get off of that, it's not easy. It's just like. Well, you're talking a brain influence change, your biological change, a behavioral change. Right. I mean, you're talking a forefront need to change. And, yeah. you know, speaking of the change part, I, I was thinking about something when you were talking, Ronnie. Um, when. When you had to play the character of this PTSD war veteran, what did what did you tap into? How did you change? How did you form to fit into that that kind of role itself? You know, what what kind of preparation is there? And then it's twofold. What kind of prep is there? How do you do it? And on the back end, what did it feel like coming in and out of that character, you know, experiencing those things? I want to see if they correlate to, you know, what you what you felt. Right. Well, to be honest with you, um, what one of the reasons I did that film was because it actually it had a lot of um, you know real life um, relevancy. You know, as far as this a sort of depression that I was going through, having and being away from my sons for four years, and always you know, and and those really. Uh, hard phone calls, you know, every time, you know, they're like, dad, when are we going to get to see you? And I just, I just, I had no answer. And slowly and without unknowing, you know, to me, I was just suffering on, on the inside. And the funny thing is, um, when I was looking for, uh, you know, like scenes and I started doing the research through YouTube, the scene that I resonated with the most was um, this, this Marine talking about his experience. 
Do you remember? His, do you remember his that's name? That's when I started seeing to see like a correlation between my subtle depression and the suffering that this guy had on the inside from um, from what he did. So I read those two. So on the outside, the performance, what you saw was a Marine suffering and telling a story about what he experienced in, uh, in Iraq. But on the inside, I was, uh, I just let everything kind of come out as far as the way I truly felt about missing my sons and how I felt, you know, the, the, the depression and everything. And I, I bought those two things together for that character. Um, going into that, as far as acting, you know, you have to amplify these things. And a lot of times, you know, if we, as, as just normal people, you know, we don't delve into these emotions and stay there. Whereas an actor, um, what I had to do was go into those emotions and live in that um, from one from day from day to day, you know, in, in an effort to kind of be true to the art and be true to the character that I was portraying. And um, for some odd reason, when I would be underground, you know, just traveling on the subways, you know, there's a lot of dismal uh, looks. You know, you see a lot of homelessness, people that are homeless, people that are sick, people that are suffering from, you know, mental problems or whatever, talking to themselves, screaming and all these types of things. And when you when I'm already in that headspace of my life is just meaningless, why am I here? Um, it's hopeless. And you see all that. Everything is just you. You it, it, It's like I draw off of that negative energy. And it just, you know, you just kind of descend even deeper into like the depths of, of just hopelessness. So you do that from, I did that for a month. And to be quite honest with you, it took a, an emotional and a physical toll on me because there were times where my chest would just, I would have a pain in my heart because I was suffering from a broken heart while living with this character and living with the pain and, and entertaining that pain even more so right, right. Um, um, for the self to train. And um, there were times where in, your body, it changes the, the mannerisms. I was, my head was down. I was moping. Um, my, it changes your voice. It just changes every aspect of your being because this is what, you know, our lives depend on energy. And if you right. don't have that energy, uh, or if your energy is altered, then that overall. And, um, it took weeks, if it probably even months, where although I put that character to rest in in the manner in which we ended the film, right, right. Um, just thinking about it sometimes it, it resurfaces and it has kind of like a negative effect on me, you know, in, in to a smaller degree. Well, of course, I mean, and, that... and, and and I think this is one of the reasons why. Whenever you see a really honest, great portrayal on film of an actor that's going through the motions and in, in, in something that is reg regular or ordinary citizens, we just choose not to go there because we have our lives to live and people to to, to face on a daily basis. I, I don't think they, you know, I think it's worth paying an actor $20 million to slowly die on screen because that's what you're doing. That's what you're doing. You're Whenever you, you're you play a lot of these roles is that yeah. you're slowly... Um, you know, you're crumbling on the inside, and if you if you do it the right way, um, you do the process, you do the work, uh, you know, it it'll come across on screen. Well, and I saw that, and like I said, um, I introduced you wow. um slightly, um, but you know, Adam does the intros, which will be you know put in later, um, after we you know we we talk about everything, because you know I told him like how just I've. We have a common bond, which is basically we're from Orlando and now live in New York, which is a lot of people that do that, um, especially in the film world. Um, and you were just amazingly talented. And I, I know you through a few of the people that are also involved in my film. I want to make sure I give them some shout outs like, you know, Tim, Tim Rucker. Um, yeah. You know, like That's, Tim, Tim's a good guy. Tim, Tim's a good guy. Right. I know he connected us. He connected um, and Stephanie as well. Do you know Stephanie? Um, uh, who was in um, his organization uh, or his organization? So I sound like a professional. His group, um, his his film troupe, or what do you call them? What's the name of the? Um, it's called the Orphans Productions, which is what he's involved in. So I wanted to just give him a pretty good shout out. But he's the one that kind of brought us together. 
um, back then, and I've always just followed you on Facebook, and I always just saw you, you know, and I actually remember you posted a scene of you prepping for this role in your bathtub, which is one of the scenes in the film that just is so well done, and you can just sense the you know, the pain you felt and what you were thinking about, and I love the, the point that you, you made on, and you called it pain, because you're not experiencing what that person is going through as an actor, because you can never experience that unless you actually were went to war and experienced that. But right. what you pulled from is pain because everything that we experience, no matter what, dials down to one word. It's pain. It hurts. Whether that yes. be like a physical illness or a mental illness, it's all pain. So like with what you experience is you drew, drew off of the thing that hurts you the most, and that's being away from your children. And to draw that pain is like, it's, it's so hard to do for as, as an actor, I can imagine, because you have to do that day in, day out. If you don't get it right, if you're being bossed around these people telling you, you know, do it again, do it again, do it again. You're like, can I just do it once and not think about it anymore? Or at least, you know, like only think about the good parts you want to think about, not like, you know, the fact that you're missing them so much, which dials down to, again, it's just pain. It's your pain. And PTSD yeah. is a version of pain that people experience. You know, there's post-traumatic, was it baby syndrome? That's pain that, the, you know, that they're experiencing because it's all postpartum depression. Postpartum depression. I'm sorry. That's what I meant to say. Right. Um, right. Things like that. And that's and, good that you dialed in on that. Well, I, I'm glad, dude, when you, I was so dialed into you talking there like a fucking, I, I was just, I was zoned in, bro. When you were just, I could, you know, I could feel what you tried to or had to do. And, and like Danny said, connecting that, that pain like that, I can all, man, you know, cause we're not meant, I don't think we're meant to lie. We're meant to live our authentic selves. And, right. you know, a lot of actors and actresses, they do. I hear a lot of people take shit like, how tough is your job, really? You fly here, fly there, you know. And, <laughs> you know, fame, one, corners you and you, and you lose freedom. But uh, if you're doing films constantly all year and you have to zone into these places, these flow states to become, you know, this character and you do that and you, I think you generally start to push the bounds of human capacity human capability right. right that's why i think lying innately feels bad when we do it sometimes unless you're a psychopath or a narcissist but you know to do that for months and months uh, on end and all year i mean i can see where you could be like holy who the, who am i and so how when you dive that deep into it ronnie how how do you pull yourself out of a role when it's over and try to remove that from you how do you do that or can you do that right Drugs you know, um, when I was when I was uh, taking my uh, I had like sessions with the acting coach, and at the end of every session, I would be on the floor, or uh, you know, in snot and tears, and just feeling um, you know really hopeless. It takes a lot of imagination because you have to basically block everything out and believe that you're in a place of you know just of, of hopelessness. But um, as far as uh, to, to get out of that, you know, whenever you uh, you have the capacity to go really, really dark, Sorry. it pays to have also the capacity to be a very great light. Yep. And a, a lot of times in my life, um, I laugh at a lot of dumb shit. I do a lot of stupid stuff. I'm, I'm really childish. And that is really the way that you know, children, they have no fear and they're, they're happy. And, and if you want to get, I think the, the, the greatest happiness can be achieved in being childlike, you know? And so that's sometimes I'll just like look at, you know, like uh, laugh factory marathons or something and laugh as, as long as I can, um, I, you know, but be with my son. I mean, my son lives with me now, but you know, we, I can relate to him in a lot of ways. And um, I, I even do uh it's almost like reverse, like you, the same way yeah. you fall into a character, you have to fall back into yourself. Right, right. And one of the problems I had even wow. with my acting coach was that I don't think she had oh, a, yeah, a, right. a way to, um, you know, like when you work out, you have a recovery drink to kind of get your muscles back into the mode of sizing or whatever. And she didn't really have kind of like a recovery type of, of uh, technique. And when I left, it's like, okay, we got you to the point. That's where I want you to, that's how I want you to look on, fil on film. But now you can go. And I'm like, no, you, you can't just do that to me. You can't just get me to this place and then just, uh, and leave me there because 
you know, I went to work that night and I was so drained. I could not even keep my eyes open. I, I was like physically drained and my chest hurt. And I told her this the next time. So afterwards, um, we spent a lot of time in just kind of um, with some reinforcing statements. She would say that, you know, this is who you are as a person. Um, you know, smile, be happy. It was almost like a, a little bit of hypnosis in, right. in kind of reminding me, uh, my deeper self, that this is the essence of who you are as a person and it's not this person you're trying to portray. So it's it's a little bit of playing with, you know, your mind and, and um, yeah, that's fooling kind of, your senses. Yeah, that's kind of what I meant about, uh, you know, taking a new respect for actors and actresses. If you look at years and years of in and out of yourself, falling back in and out of yourself... I mean, technically, you know, if you're playing a character, you're you're living this false lie, this person. But we are just brains and or synapses and firing and energies and manipulation. And hell, as right. a, as a trainer and reader, study or psychologist or psychology, we we talk about the power of mind control with thoughts and beliefs. And so, yeah. if you have to believe you are this character, then the thoughts then change you. Mm-hmm. And thoughts create feeling Emotions, patterns. Thoughts create right. everything. You, you, yeah. you, he's been preaching yeah. this for the longest time. Um, and like I said, Adam's my, you know, my best friend, um, you know, best man, all, all that stuff. And he's, But he's more than that. He's just one of the most intelligent people I've ever met in my life. And he's been preaching that for the longest time. And he always... He always tells me and reaches out when I'm in times of need and I call him he's the person I call to he's the first person I call because he knows like you know just so much and um, and, you know it's it's important to say but one of the things he would always say is thoughts become things I mean everything starts with your mind and how we were talking about pain there's different forms of pain physical pain emotional pain um, but emotional pain is is all started with your mind I mean um, and that's just in the base form that's what it is and and if you think yeah. about it from the base level, what's going to stop you, your mind from from being hurt, and it stop right. not think about the things that hurt you, um, you know, you think about the good things, you know, yeah. whether it be someone you lost, uh, you know, uh, someone that was very important to you, you think about all the positive attributes that they give you, you know, through everything that they yeah. give you, you know, it's hard, but but at times that you need to reach down deep down that place, it's like you have to pull from the worst parts, and that creates pain. I mean, that creates pain because when bad things happen to you. Isn't that, the, isn't that the artist way, though? I mean, Kurt Cobain, make the list, right? I mean, it's the list, right? The, the yeah. pain creates the artist, right? Absolutely, yeah. That's... And, you know, and ultimately, you know, if, if our souls, if at the core, you know, we're filled with love and all of the good things that we, we would like to believe, then, in essence, the captain of our ship wants us to kind of uh good things, but sometimes he loses control of that ship through a storm of, of like emotions. And then it's it's hard for some people to to kind of see that lighthouse, to see that, you know, to, to get back to that place. Because, and, 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 you know, sometimes, unfortunately, ultimately, you totally lose that. That, that, I mean, that has happened to artists and to actors alike, where they get so deep into a role or into like a character or a work of art that they ultimately lose themselves because they, they just, you know, they forget about their true soul, their true selves and what it's supposed to be up of. Yeah. When, when you think about even just a few writers come to mind, when you talk like that, like Hunter S Thompson, Charles Bukowski, I mean, these, these writers destroyed themselves with, with alcohol and, and wrote some of the things because they could see certain things and one of my favorite things I love to do, because trust me, when you're sitting in those groups of treatment like I did in rehab and you're running those groups and you were right on point, man, I would tell you almost half, you know, at least a third, but sometimes half, if not more of the room were veterans. They were they were all veterans. And, you know, when you sit in that room and you're conducting those interviews and the people that are talking to you and what they've experienced and, and been through and bring me back, Danny. The siren threw me off. What are those sirens? That's in Brooklyn. I, t- I wanted to take oh, off running. I was like, okay, who, are there sirens in, in What a, was I talking about? I wanted to take off running. Right now? That's a funny. I wanted to, what were you talking about? He was, doom, you got to bring me back. Those sirens made me want to run or something. Trip me out. I know. Um, <laughs> we'll just change the subject. No, it was, sirens, that's what happens in New York, yeah, right, Ronnie? No, it was. That t- what was it? My fault? 
Oh no, I was just saying I sleep through like sorry, I live right next to a fire station. Oh yeah. really? Oh, oh. shit. Yeah. See, it's like it's, see, people don't understand that in New York, and I, I don't mean by New York, I mean the city, and I mean by the city, I mean all the boroughs that are busy. There's always something going on, and no matter what, if you're, yeah. you know, you work from home, which a lot of people do, like like I do, and if you're an actor, you know, when you're not on set, you're you're home working on your craft. You know, there's so much noise, and I feel like this is one of the best things about New York because you get adapted to you and used to all those noises, so that you can yeah. appreciate like solidarity and you know, uh, out there in the middle of nowhere. Um, yeah, and it's even better. You know, but you know, I know what you're saying. Like, it distracts. Like, um, you know, we're in Orlando right now. Orlando's so much quiet. We're in a little neighborhood, um, and it's just like we don't hear that. So I was like, I, I can see. Like, I got thrown off too. I was like, whatever he was saying, I got thrown off because I heard the sirens as well. It was hilarious. <laughs> so, yeah, and you know something, um, like all those noises are great. You know, especially for filmmaking. But as far as the technical aspects of filmmaking, oh, continuity, and even so for actors hard. who are just trying to like concentrate like i was because oh a lot God. of the uh curse of war was actually shot right here in my apartment and there was a time um I, I was doing like this really emotional scene and you know these two fucking guys outside there we have a liquor <laughs> store right down <laughs> the block from me yeah. and they're they're vets but they're also really really drunk every single day so you gotta and respect guys them. they were just going at it you know just talking shit and we can't the, the last thing you want to do as like a PA or a director or anything is go out there and be like hey you we're guys mind we're shooting something. a sequel they'll be like no, shoot a sequel <laughs> fucking movie man <laughs> <You know? laughs> and that's that's kind of like what we went through uh, a, a lot was just distractions somebody pulled up like all year long maybe I just don't notice it because I'm not filming you know a pivotal scene a guy pulls up right in front of my apartment and starts playing Uptown Funk on loop. Yeah, at right least it was Uptown Funk, scene. though. At least it was Uptown Funk. At least it wasn't like yeah. Taylor Swift or uh, <laughs> <laughs> something that would totally put you out or like some kind of Katy Perry. Oh, man. And it, was played, it was 30 minutes. We had to hold for 30 minutes. Oh, that's so bad. I know. I, you know, like, I was wondering, too, like, I tried to be involved and you know, I told people that, you know, you played a, a very small but very pivotal and important role in, in literature larceny um you know that people will get to see in, a, in a, you know about a year or so we're still we're still shooting it um mm -hmm. but it was it was so fun to watch you watch you work in person and and then i saw it on screen after and i think most people see it differently usually i'd i'd see you on screen first and then see you perform in person but i saw it i met you like when we met you were going to perform and um, it was just like amazing to watch you work with you and, and Nick Cregan, who's you know you know the star of the film, and you play his yeah. father, um, Abdul. And you know it's, it's it was just beautiful because not only was the casting perfect with you two because you guys you guys look like just just alike, but it was so emotional and like you know I didn't want to stay around as you know the as a director you know Mustafa uh, Maudi you know who was incredible and worked with the directors I mean sorry worked with the actors. I mean, I couldn't even ask for a, a better situation. Um, but he, yeah. where he worked was very close knit with the actors, and he even told me a few times, you know, like you kind of just stand back a little bit. Like I don't want you to like distract anyone. I'm like, okay, awesome. I appreciate that honesty. I appreciate that directness. Like just, and I was like, so that's what I did. I, you know, especially that day, I let you guys work, and I tried to go in and out just whenever I could, but I'd watch my distance, and it was just so emotional and so real. And the people around us were just, you saw, like we filmed outside in the streets of New York and Harlem. And yeah. um, people were just walking by, like they would come up to them while they're shooting a scene, and they'd ask him, "Oh, are you okay?" Just random people walking on the street that we had to have sign agreements because if we decide to use that, you know, they they're going to be on the screen. But yeah. they thought it was so real because there wasn't a lot. Of, we used a lot of natural light. There wasn't a lot of big production things there, so no one really knew what was going on. But the fact that it was so real, and I saw it, I was like getting chills and just, you know, from script to seeing it performed was just amazing. And I can't wait to share that with everyone. Thanks. Yeah, that, that was a powerful scene. And just the way, you know, uh, what's his name? Uh, Mustafa, the way he shot it, uh, coming out of that um, basement, even like the preparation for it. You know, I, I listened to like a lot of, um, for that particular scene, I was all kind of on a, in rage on a rampage and stuff like that. What's and I think I, I, I listened to a lot of Linkin Park before that scene. Yes, sir, that's a great, Linkin Park is I think probably one of the top two rampaging like albums of all time. What's it? Lincoln Park yeah. and uh, 
uh, Fred Durst, uh, Limp Biscuit, uh, the, uh, yeah, break stuff, break stuff song. I mean that but song to it. me, but that's it. No more Limp, just one song. Yeah, I mean they're not Godsmack know. more than anything. Metallica probably. If I it's had everyone to. people listen to when they go to the yeah, gym and they want to get right. pumped or they want to like you know I'm sure fighters listen to pumped up music. They don't listen to like you know <laughs> they don't listen to like Katy Perry or you know <laughs> some crazy it. fuck does. No, who is it? There was a, a Olympian or a basketball player that would listen to the Katy Perry or Taylor Swift song and oh no. Um, it was an America song by Miley Cyrus, um, and it was an amazing song. I'm not gonna lie, I, I like Miley Cyrus, I like Katy Perry, I like Taylor Swift. I listen to all their songs, and I find myself like not all of their songs, but when they come on, I find myself careful. Your life, oh man, damn! I find myself like enjoying their their songs, but I wouldn't I, listen to it before we're not really friends. We're not really friends. <laughs> oh man. Damn. By the way, can we cut that? Can we cut that out? The affection. This is why I'm behind the scenes. I hate. I always just. I have word of mouth diarrhea, and I'm like, now I'm gonna have to beg him afterwards. I'm like, can I watch it? And can I cut this out? And he's not gonna let me. I know he's not gonna let me. He's he's, he's the editor, and dude, I've been sitting here quiet the whole time. I'm still trying to remember what the hell I was gonna talk about. I got as far as going PTSD victims. Uh, and veterans are making up nearly half of the groups that I was treating in drug rehab. And that was just a left field fact that was bouncing off of the main idea that I have yet to find. Yeah, I, I hate that. It'll, it'll come back to you. I've been sitting here quiet. Like, what I got to say, though, this observation from, from my end, what what kind of dog is that? What's his, <laughs> Is it a boy or girl? What's her this name? Is, this is Roxy. This is a girl. Um, she's been Adam, she's Adam's eight. dog for a very long time. She's nine now. She's nine. Ten. She's, sorry. Wow. She's ten. Sorry, right, baby. A, I told him your age. That, behold. Oh no! Don't tell him. Don't tell him there's weight. Don't tell I, him her weight. No, she's she weighs perfect. She's a big girl. She's a rescue. Or yeah. She was a rescue too. Yeah, Somebody was going to just get rid of there. it. They were Can just you believe gonna... that? Like out there in this world, like I'm sure you see because I see it all the time. And and um and my my girlfriend, she she runs a rescue in in New York City called Social Tees, and people just. Mm-hmm. Well, well, out of the blue, just leave a dog in a park, leave a dog at the doorsteps of social teas or a cat or whatever. Sometimes it was yeah. like a snake. It was, it's ridiculous that these people, you know, it's just, I feel like, like you're either, you're a good person or a bad person, but I feel like what you do defines you. And, you know, we've all been good people and we've all been bad people. So like that, that's basically yeah. it. But it's like doing certain things like to an animal like that, like just to leave an animal somewhere because you can't take care of it anymore. Instead of just yeah. doing a little bit of work and finding a place for it to do. And, like, you know, she and, you know, God bless all these people that, and thanks to all the rescues out there that do this work because, you know, that's, they find homes and forever homes for animals that, you know, and like what we were talking earlier about back to um, the curse of war, you know, there's other therapy than medication and, and pharmaceuticals. Um, one of which is like, you know, dog therapy, pet therapy. That's huge, That's bro. huge. When and I was working in the... Roxy, uh, this dog is just the, one of the most beautiful souls in the history of dogs. And you could literally <laughs> take her to any like nursing home. She did, any, bro. When I worked... Centipede. Yeah, when I worked for... a centipede. Yeah, centipede. When I worked in a dementia clinic for a little while, uh, I worked with uh, el- elders that were suffering from dementia and Alzheimer's. And I brought Roxy in every Friday. It was pet therapy day. And pet therapy for people suffering with that and seniors, et cetera, PTSD, these things are amazing. The basic therapies of art therapy, uh, meditation, uh, all kinds of holistic ways, man, and uh, from musical therapy, hobby therapy. I made that one up. Any other well, thing? Well, you know, it's a therapy. Why not focusing on a hobby like doing a puzzle keeps your mind focusing on the puzzle? Yeah. People don't understand that when they're in pain, the basis of form of what you're trying to do is avoid that pain. And deep down inside, we all have one thing in common, and that's we breathe. And people make fun of the term of meditation. Oh, I meditate, I meditate. I've had friends and roommates that are like, make fun of you because what are you doing there? And they're knocking on the door, and it's like, dude, I'm trying to meditate. And you can't say that because you're trying to meditate. And they come out like, what are we doing? Meditate. And they're like, oh, what? Meditating? Ha, ha, ha. It's like, well, you know what? Let me, you meditate, and then you go pray in church, okay? And like, there's two different things, but I know it's very similar. Both work. Both work. Both work. Everyone has their methods. And like an actor, I'm sure everyone has their methods. I'm sure people won't pull from what you're pulling from. They'll pull from something else. But right. it's just like people get made fun of people when they say the term meditation, which is upsetting because it's like all you're doing when you're saying like, do you meditate? Is do you breathe? Like at the end of the day, you're just breathing. And That's cool. all meditation is doing is shutting oh, your yeah. mind off and not thinking about anything but your breath. And it's like if you just stop at this point in this day, if you're listening or you're watching or you're going to listen or you're going to watch it, just stop, put it on pause. And just breathe deeply 10 times and don't think about anything. See how yeah. good you feel right after you do that. 
And people don't understand that it's one, it's difficult to meditate. So not only is it like, I mean, I'm still learning and it's, I was going to ask you, how's that helped you? Because you talked about going through the pill thing. Were you doing any of that meditation then? I was doing yoga then. I wasn't into meditation because I also, I was reading a lot of books about meditation. Um, I was reading a lot of books about meditation, but I wasn't actually doing it much um, because I was also doing not good things. Um, You know, like I was drinking probably too much, you know, as everyone does and not saying alcoholism, just drinking a few nights a week. And then you wake up and you're hungover and you don't wake up and meditate. Meditate is something you yeah. have to do every single day consistently to see the benefits. And when people oh, say when, when you tell that to people, they just like, you know, people can't avoid patterns. Like they, they want to avoid patterns. They want to do something consistently because if they're not used to it, like you always say, uncomfortable is where the change is. If you're not used to sitting down, I mean, we did this the other night um, uh, for, my, for my birthday and a celebration um, um, of my best friend. We did something where we just we, he, he bet me that we couldn't sit still for five minutes, and I don't we we, we don't really talk. We even though he's my best friend, we don't want really to talk about the fact that like you know I I've consistently meditate at least you know every other day, but I've tried to do it. I think the longest I've gone is twenty twenty two days, and it wasn't until after the second week where I really saw what everyone has been talking about, and that's doing it every day for twenty minutes, and that's just like breathing wow. and not thinking about anything. And there's all forms of meditation out there, but just breathing, even just sitting outside and just like just breathing and just thinking, saying the words in and out, breathing in, breathing out. Just do that. Try it for five minutes, 10 minutes. It's, it's hard to do. So we did it the other night yeah. and we both sat there and we were just looking up at the stars and it was beautiful. We had a bonfire going. We were with good friends, good people. Every, all the members of the family were there. All the members of our tribe were there. And you just we just felt this, this peaceful bliss where... All we were just focusing on is just life, you know? And, and it was like a, it's yeah. like a celebration of life because when you breathe, you're alive. When you stop breathing, that's the most important thing. You, you kind of die. Um, that sucks. <laughs> it's totally you know? underrated. So, so it's so, I mean, why do I want to just breathe? Why do I want to meditate? Like, so there's, and I feel like in America mostly, but all over the world, people get stuck up on this terminology of words, you know, like meditation and good, bad, because everyone has their opinions, you know, like, God, because everyone has their own types of religions. So many religions out there that all should be respected equally. And firmly, I believe, and then in many things in life, is that if we just stop talking about it or debating it, it won't be a thing. You know, my religion is better than your religion. You don't believe in this. You don't believe in God. Oh, you're a terrible person. I believe in God. I'm better than you. It doesn't matter. It's like everyone should have the right to their own opinion and their own beliefs. I love it. Did you say everybody just should shut the fuck up? Pretty much. Because when you shut the fuck up and you stop talking about it, yeah. it doesn't become a thing anymore. Yeah, the more you yeah, talk yeah. about it, the more it becomes a thing. Well, yeah. why does everybody got to announce what they do? That too. People need to just exactly. shut the fuck up. Right? Hey, guys. You I hate roll. to do this. I got eight minutes to actually do get, a lot of things and get out yeah, of here. Yeah, yeah, no right, problem. No problem. We're going to do this again, no, Ronnie, because I, I want to... Um, yeah, we got to do this again because more. I swear, like, I've got about three hours worth of topics that, hey, you know, I wanted to kind of touch on today. Absolutely, but, man. Appreciate it. Yo, let's do, what's that uh, calendar say, man? Find me a... We'll, we'll figure it out. It's no, because what we'll do is we can make this. We went live already, but what we could do is we went about an hour and change, uh, which is still a good podcast. But I know there's things I want to ask you, Ronnie. I got a lot of stuff to get into, too, personally. But if you want, yeah. we can do a two, uh, a backup yeah, to this. Yeah, part two. And then because I want to get out. more into the film with you and more. I want you to shout out more of the characters, like, you know, your... your um. Well, we can coach and everyone that was involved, the producer, the directors. All right, well, let's do. Yeah, that's what I'll let's do. Let's do part two, and then this was already live. But before we drop the podcast, what we'll do is we'll just edit in part two with one, and we'll drop the podcast and everything together. Um, maybe we do it before you go back to New York. Maybe today, even I don't know. I got a podcast too in twenty minutes with DJ Kid Nemesis, so. Uh, I'm with you, dog. Uh, but let's try to do Sounds it. Sounds good. Yeah, you want to try to... We'll figure out the time and everything. And we'll yeah, do, we'll figure uh, out the time. Um, yeah, that sounds awesome. Cool. And we can always just edit it in because, like I said, okay. we're getting the more more details. Um, and I appreciate you coming on, man. I appreciate yeah, this. Yeah, thanks, this bro. Thanks, uh, man. Thanks for having me, man. This was great. You know, really enlightening. And uh, Roxy there, she's she's a winner for sure. She's loving life. See, PTSD victims, if you're out there, what you need to do is you need to find a rescue... And you need to adopt a dog. You don't adopt a dog, foster a dog. It's basically like renting the car for free. It's so fucking easy. You just go in there and you say, let me try this dog out. And if you don't like the dog, you take it back to where you got it. And they take it back. It's amazing. But if you like the dog, which nine out of ten times, look at Roxy. She's a rescue. 
She was a foster. <laughs> now she's the love of their lives. Hey, it's happy family. All right. But Check. yeah, anyways. Check. I appreciate Check. you coming on, man. Thank you so much. I gotta go. All right, brother. Thanks, Thanks man. We'll catch up. Oh, man. Thanks for joining us um, and staying on. Uh, what we're going to do, we'll probably try to come back with part two. I'm going to try to do it today with Ronnie so we can patch this together and drop the full podcast for you. Uh, that part two will go live, too. So uh, those of you watching on YouTube, et cetera, uh, love you. Thank you. Appreciate it. We'll pull in part two and mix it together. Uh, stay tuned, though, because in about 15 minutes, DJ Kid hey, Nemesis. Those of you who are live right now, you should be watching. If you're not, it's fine. But you got to talk to the mic, bro. Those of you live, check out my new tat. Oh, yeah, that's the tat he was talking about. And those of you that are live, you just got a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity because I hate being on camera and I'm going to kill this motherfucker for surprising me with this. Yeah, that's how we do it. Uh, tune back in, 15 minutes. Uh, that's funny, bro. We will have been live from Brooklyn and now live from Miami, South Beach, in the, same, in the same day. We're national, bitches. <laughs> no, bro, we're in 69 countries. I don't even know if there are 69 countries. There's 196 countries. There's a lot of countries. Yeah, give or take. Tomorrow, one may topple. I need to read more. Yeah, 196 countries. We're in 61. You know, you don't listen. I don't listen ever. All right. He's the creative guy, kind of. Look. Yeah. (laughs) All right, we'll tune back in, man. Hope you're taking care of you and living your cognitive rampage. Well, we actually, excuse me, didn't come back uh, that day. Uh, it is now the following day, uh, the same day I do the openings. Uh, I do the closing, you know, after the podcast. But uh, Danny had to take off. He was actually on his way to Denver, Colorado. So he was taken off, um, and Ronnie couldn't get back to us that day. Uh, but we're going to set it up in the future to do a part two because, um, obviously, we went all over the place. But uh, I wanted to talk to Ronnie about his life, about some things he had been through uh, that – I mean, that had been influential and in, in moving him to the career he had chosen uh, in acting, et cetera, now branching out filmmaking and whatnot. But uh, I, I enjoyed that talk, though. It was um, fun. <laughs> I enjoyed talking with Danny uh, on the podcast. I'm glad he came on again uh, and sat down on camera. But, um, yeah, uh, it was a fun time. I enjoyed it. But uh, there'll be another podcast dropping today right behind this one. Uh, as you heard on the podcast, uh, 20 minutes after we ended that podcast, uh, I went live with DJ Kid Nemesis, uh, resident South Beach, Miami DJ at uh, Nikki Beach uh, Club, etc. All over the place, though, man. But I, I love the kid. Uh, he was a great, uh, he was a good friend back in the day, but I haven't touched base with him in a while. It was good to talk to him, but um, heck, right after this one ends... DJ Kid Nemesis uh, should come up right after that. But hope you're taking care of you. Hope you're living your cognitive rampage. Love you. <laughs>